0: and a little, little tree of life emblem. Oh, hi, John, what, what is that? This is a little uh, a tree of life uh, emblem. It's, okay. uh, it's uh, done in uh, kind of flakes of gold, but it's a beautiful tree of life symbol, which is one of those symbols you find in virtually every culture on the planet, uh, especially indigenous cultures.
1: And is this uh, Scandinavian particular having... particular
0: culture? Uh, this one is mostly related to Celtic culture, but you also have in uh, Scandinavian culture Yggdrasil, which is a very important symbol in in uh, Scandinavian uh, spirituality, and represents again the, the same thing, the tree of life, and uh, it's a very important symbol in many parts of the planet. <clears throat>
1: And what does it represent to you?
0: To me, it represents uh, having, in the process of cultivating life, having your yourself firmly planted in the in the, with the roots energetic roots of your body firmly planted in the body of Mother Earth, and then your crown opening to the heavens, and receiving the insight and the wisdom from the heavens. And then your limbs in a state of connectivity, especially your hands and fingers, acting like kind of limbs of a tree and leaves uh, to embrace the world with and interact with the uh, different opportunities life brings us.
1: This reminds me of uh, a very interesting book I recently got called Sky Above Earth Below. Have you heard of it?
0: I should read that. I've been meaning to get back to that.
1: (laughs) Uh, 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 thank you for sharing sharing that. Uh, was that a gift, or is that something you bought in one of your travels? What's that? Was the was the medal a gift, or was that something you oh, purchased in one of your travels?
0: You know, I think it may have been a gift. I don't remember exactly how I got it, but I lately I've been wearing it a great deal because I'm really interested in common ground uh, symbols and practices and principles and processes. Because when you work from a common ground way, which is, of course, the way the way of nature works, uh, it's very open to all cultures. There's no barriers to being able to incorporate or or connect with a common ground approach because it's honoring all the the basic different pathways and seeing what they have in common. And this tree of life, to me, is a good example of that because it is very universal as a symbol.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Uh, you know, we have been working together for a few years uh, as part of our advanced training, which is probably now almost going to be a four-year training because of- yes, uh, I
0: the four years because of COVID.
1: The <laughs> COVID. it's in some ways quite uh, nice to get even more teachings and go even deeper uh, into the process. And, you know, many of us have been practicing close to nature, uh, spending a lot of the year of lockdowns, hopefully skillfully. Uh, And and now the world is starting to open up more in the summer. And we are seeing very different sort of responses to this. Some people are still uh, feeling the fear and are shaken by it and we can see that and some people are really going into the the wild wild party mode as well uh what would be your perspective because this is in some ways for some of us just like a long solo or a long retreat and we are emerging from it and the systems are quite sensitive uh so how would you recommend people approach this
0: well, I think that's a great question. I, I, I'd like to uh, mention a little bit more about what we've been doing together, Pradeep, because it would give people. It kind of fits into your question. Uh, basically, we've been uh, doing. Uh, I've done a number of three-year retreats where I've shared deeper, more advanced level training. Uh, quite a few times now, I think I began doing this maybe twenty years ago. And this is, uh, I don't know, the fifth or sixth cycle of those kinds of advanced trainings. And I like to have a three or in some cases a four or five year time frame because it gives you a chance to go very deep with whatever process that you're, you're cultivating. And uh, we decided, I thought it might be nice uh, to focus on some of the shadow aspects that block or stand in the way of recognizing connection to outer nature and authentic ability to really bond with nature and experience nature as all of life, a family of all of life. And secondly, to open up the inner and refine the inner nature aspect, which is your the perceptions and the the way we connect with life itself through our senses and how to refine those senses so that they become very clear conduits for both the outer nature and your true nature. Then the third aspect is focusing on true nature and looking at that from a common ground perspective and uh, <clears throat> looking into the base of being basically in how to recognize access and then remain in a state of pure, pristine, open, clear, boundless awareness as the foundation of your being rather than just the ego identifications, uh, which most of us get trapped in. So we've been working with the shadow aspect in the first year. The second year, we've been focusing on the, uh, we actually, the shadow work got so, so uh, intense that we actually uh, moved the shadow work, took over quite a bit of the second year too which, uh, and I think we almost got to a point where we began to become attached to our shadow. <laughs> I think COVID <laughs> our,
1: provided us with a lot of opportunities to open up the It department. certainly did.
0: <laughs> it, just, it definitely did. And then towards the end of the second year, we began to work with um, a direct uh, pointing out and connection to our true nature aspect. And um, <clears throat> we've just begun to go deeper into that really within the past several months. Initially, starting with an exploration of how the elements are experienced through those refined senses that we've developed, or the nine experiential fields of sight and sound and taste and smell and touch, balance and movement, energy comprehension, and the way emotions and thoughts display in connection with those other five fields of experience. And um, so, by refining the uh, those those experiential fields, we can then how we connect to these fundamental elements that you find in most indigenous cultures like the fire or common ones. um, Sometimes ether is included along with those. And then in the, I don't mean the chemical that you put on to to put yourself to sleep. (laughs) Um, Almost the opposite of that. And then... um, in, um, in the uh, Chinese approach, they work with uh, earth, wood, water, um, fire, and uh, they have it, that's called the generation cycle. Earth uh, creates a foundation for, the, for um, when concentrated for the production of metal or stone, and then that provides basis for water, and the water element then generates or present, provides a basis for the wood element, which obviously utilizes water to grow. And then water provides a basis for, for the, or wood provides a basis for a fire when wood burns, provides fire, feeds the fire element. And then fire element leaves behind ashes, so it returns to the earth element. So that's called the generation cycle, and we worked with that in uh, a variety of ways in, in our retreat. And ultimately we learn how to follow each of those elements back into the pure true nature or source aspect of ourselves. So that it points directly into the, the fundamental nature of our being. And uh, we work with the Tibetan, some of the Tibetan element system as well, especially the elements of, of air and space which uh, are not included uh, formally in the Chinese system. They're brought in other ways. But, um, so we have really a system that works with both, especially with the Chinese and the Tibetan system, especially with air and and space. In space, of course, air is is very, it's vast, it's boundless, it's open. And like space, it has that kind of uh, capacity to kind of embrace everything, all the other forms. And then there's something that holds even the air element, which is space itself. And in the Tibetan system, the space element is very important. So uh, we follow that back into basically the the band of the spaciousness of your pure consciousness, your pure awareness. At that point, the true nature is, is helped to be open up. Uh, but in this final year, we're going starting with the elements work and then we're moving into a direct pointing out aspect uh, based on a number of approaches to do that. And uh, then the third year or the final year, probably be the, as you were saying, the fourth year because of COVID, uh, we'll be working with some of the martial arts, for example, in learning how to uh, remain in a state of connectivity to source or true nature while engaged in very normally distracting and contracting outer circumstances. Um, So it's a wonderful foundation for being a warrior of the open heart while remaining in connection with source and expressing uh, a lot of our activity for the benefit of all beings. It's It's a very advanced level of functioning and it's really taught in that kind of a context. I've been using some of the sensing hands practices from that I learned 40, 50 years ago from Tai Chi, which uh, is a very profound system of how to uh, work interactively with another person and to explore where we're still holding our shadow contractive aspects or distractive uh, uh, aspects and how to release those completely in the full body and finally be able to rest in that true nature state while we're doing this as a hand's work, where you're connected with another human being through a touch at the wrist or a touch on the arm, or later on a full body touch. And you learn how to completely uh, root into the earth while you're in that connection, and the upper body is like open space and empty. And um, it's a wonderful practice. allows you to really fully embody in many ways the prior two or three years of the training and to let it manifest and kind of prove itself in a fully embodied way. So that's a little background to what we've been up to together. And Pradeep you've been a, been very lucky because you've had um, a period several periods of time you were sharing just a few minutes ago that you've had some pain issues and this, caused you to have about two months of deep work to help work with that condition that you're working with and explore the reality of pain. And also take take a deep dive into several months of deep retreat. So you've taken the opportunity of this COVID situation, plus this other health issue you were dealing with to take a deep dive into, into the retreat process and really taken full advantage of the invitation that COVID has given us.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just for listeners. I uh, yeah, recently just hurt my back a little bit and my shoulder and had to be off for some time. And I feel like uh, it's one of those classic moments, right? Of teaching where you take whatever is happening as an opportunity rather than uh, adopt a victim stance, which I often see people do. And the, and we don't have to go into this, but also the medical establishment, which orients itself more towards selling pharmacological uh, pills rather than the root cause of the problem. So it's very, very interesting, but that's obviously a, a different yeah. topic uh, on on how the pharmaceutical industry is operating, because if everyone was following the preventative Qigong, then probably the market value of those firms is not going to go up. Uh, right. uh, but I think what, what was very interesting, John, is, is in, your, in your summary of this process, you mentioned that many of us are spending a lot of time in nature and doing practices and spending time uh, in deep practice due to the lockdown. So, how would you recommend we think about emerging from this space without losing the connection to the depths that has been cultivated? I sense yeah. it's, I sense uh, that it's not stable the connection to the depths is not stable it's very it's like catching a signal on a radio and you know that it's not like a it's not like a modern phone you know it's like you know when these phones had just come and you know sometimes you would get the signal sometimes it wouldn't be there so how would you recommend deepening it before sort of losing the signal if the world hits you very quickly
0: that's a great metaphor i love it I remember as a kid, I had an old fashioned radio up on the farm I lived in New, in New Hampshire. And I listened, I like to listen to uh, classical music. So I often tuned into Radio Moscow, which would offer some beautiful classical music um, on their station. And because it was coming from so far away, I'd have to, it would kind of go in and go out. And sometimes if the, the symphony was very kind of mystical, that added a really beautiful quality to it because it was kind of fading in, fading out, disappearing, reappearing. And I would sometimes place my hand on the dial and just gently move, try to move with the moving signal. And uh, connection to source has some of those qualities you're quite right, but the the signal is caused by either contraction or distraction in oneself for the most part, in that case, instead of a foreign wavelength that you're losing. So the tuning in in that case is to tune in, where am I tightening up, contracting, beginning to disconnect from the true signal of source. And then maybe I'm becoming distracted by thoughts or emotions or perceptions in some way and and not remaining with that boundless, infinite spaciousness of pure consciousness itself as as the point in which to rest and remain. But and that's a nice word.
1: Yeah, thank you for, for reflecting that. And I, my question would be, uh, and also listeners might benefit from this, we use multiple fields of perception in developing the access to source, right? So how would you recommend people approach this return? Because there are certain fields which might have been over-refined and they will get completely uh, over-influenced and I think the sense of touch and energy is one of them because of the distancing, uh, a lot of the refinement and subtlety of that has naturally cultivated itself. And we uh, be very curious to hear how would one carry that? Because uh, for some of us, maybe we are more sensitive to the energy. Mm-hmm. And that is the connection that we have uh, as opposed to say thoughts or emotions. And I know you always recommend starting with whatever is easier before going into thinking.
0: Uh, exactly, I, I generally recommend uh, that case of the training we're doing, that you be in your cultivation by working with the most uh, straightforward uh, perceptions or senses, which in most, for most people are sight and uh, sight and sound and uh, touch. So we work with those three initially, then we go deeper into taste and smell, and finally into the perception of the energy body and the chi or the prana. And then, of course, including movement and balance, which goes along with movement, because it's always so always in relationship to that connectivity to the earth and to gravity. And, um, and then when we've really refined those, those seven fields of experience, because we experience life with those those seven experiential fields, then we're ready to see how our emotions and our thoughts connect to those other fields. Because we, the body of what we come up with in terms of our emotions and thoughts, is based upon what we how we experience through those seven other fields. And uh, so they that work with the emotional body and the mental body comes after we've established a refinement first of the seven experiential fields. And, uh, this may be a bit uh, abstruse for some people who've never done this kind of work. Uh, I should point out that in many spiritual traditions, they often uh, do the opposite. Uh, for those of you who are seeing this on video, they, it's often demonstrated by covering the eyes, covering the ears, closing the nose, Closing the mouth, covering the genitals, uh, and kind of closing off the entire body in terms of its perceptions, so that you're left with just pure consciousness. But we take kind of the other approach, which is to refine, refine, refine each one of the experiential fields, all nine of them ultimately, and then finally follow them back into the source of the true nature aspect, which is the foundation of all these experiences and senses and experiential fields. When you follow them back into that base, then there's no need to deny, avoid, or run away from the experience of life itself. You actually embrace it. But you have to follow the discipline of falling very deeply back into the primordial state, which is the base or the root of your being or the true nature aspect.
1: And how do you recommend navigating the transition where sometimes one has the signal and then one doesn't? Because the plans that (laughs) one makes and the person who enters this three year training with you, Mm -hmm. uh, well, that person has plans and those plans sort of dissolve when you don't, when you catch the signal and then they come back. So, how do you go through that process of? Navigating, it. you know, you're yeah. halfway on the street, and you had a pointer, and then your compass is no longer working, and you need to check maps, but you are not carrying them. So you're sort of stuck in this space uh, in between. Uh, how, does, how does one stabilize, or what, what do you do?
0: Well, first, uh, of course, you, you learn to have a capacity to really um, connect to the truth of what's arising in your experience. You learn how to, you learn how your patterns of pushing away and embracing. When you look at a baby, it's amazing, isn't it? How the baby, the first two things that you notice about a baby is it's it's either embracing and pulling into itself, or it's pushing away, pushing out. No, I don't want this. So it's either um, kind of that embrace or that push away, or a fundamental aversion aspect of ourselves or a fundamental let's connect or attach aspect of ourselves. And then of course, the other thing about a baby is that they can move so quickly between emotional states. And um, part of the reason for that capacity is their ability to, they're, they're much closer than we, as adults for the most part are with their true nature. So these these expressions of attachment and aversion or embracing pulling in or pushing back out are arising from a very pure level of pure awareness, pure beingness. And uh, and in the the same way, the emotions and the thoughts come and go like uh, fast moving clouds in the sky. And the sky-like fundamental awareness is is really the the basis for for all that movement remains there as the basic true nature aspect, and it's very clear in the baby. But as these karmic traces begin to manifest and they begin to fully embody becoming a personality or a separate identity, then, of course, the more that begins to happen, the more it begins, the child begins to differentiate out into an individuated being. And then that spontaneity of the emotions and the thoughts and the natural contractivity and the pulsation of attraction and, and pushing out, uh, pushing away, begins to disappear and becomes more replaced by culturally determined behavior patterns. And then the separate self begins to solidify. And then you're caught up in a, in a culture and you're taught about what's good and what's bad and what you should and shouldn't do and so on and so forth. And then you're, you're a fully solidified consensus reality being that's completely uh, kind of enmeshed in the flow of culture and what's appropriate within the cultural context. Part of the uh, way of nature process and part of what every liberating tradition does is to try to free you from being continually held by these cultural constraints. So you're no longer a captive of consensus reality, as Castaneda used to put it, or Don Juan, more correctly. And um, as you liberate from the the consensus reality um, uh, container, you begin to have the uh, uh, invitation to begin to rediscover the true nature aspect for yourself and begin to replace the ego with the connection to that vast spacious essence of yourself, which then becomes what you relate to as yourself rather than the ego aspect. And the ego, of course, is also caught up in attachment aversion and um, different kinds of desires and different kinds of things it doesn't like. And the consensus reality context of what is taught by culture. So freeing up from just identifying to the ego with the ego is very, very important and part of the pathway of what every liberating tradition does. The one uh,
1: important change that has happened in the last year for many of us is that we are sort of out of some of the consensual realms where we spent a lot of our time, Mm -hmm. like the office culture, we're working from home. Uh, A lot of the travel is stopped. A lot of the people are living on their own, perhaps or living with a partner in the same context. So a lot of the people are living, have been living in a different sort of a context. Uh, Many of us spending in nature. So already a level of deculturing happening. And now as we enter back into the culture, there is a risk uh, of contracting again or putting a shame again. So, what is this? How do you recommend people have a skillful way of appreciating all the transformations that have happened in their ego structure without sort of completely dropping it? Because obviously, to interact in our daily lives, we yeah. do need to apply some fluid level of ego structure, right? So, how would you recommend thinking about
0: this? Well, that's a multi level question, a good one, a good multi level. <laughs> um, and you're correct that the ego. Uh, there's a place for the ego to be and there's a reason why it manifests and it actually provides a service especially in terms of biological survival there's a reason for it being there but the ultimate goal is to experience the ego as a a natural expression or arising from source that temporarily manifests for a moment does whatever it needs to do and then it's gone and the next moment another uh, individuated aspect of your being may arise, but actually it's a different being. But And we know this from quantum uh, physics and theory and mechanics, but we have not yet really grokked that or any, or embraced that as a culture yet. So um, <clears throat> it's interesting with COVID, I think we had a, a podcast some time ago, pretty back when it was all starting up. Yes, And we talked quite a bit about how this was a tremendous invitation or opportunity to drop into a very deep uh, type of spontaneous retreat. Because we had to be sequestered and go back to home, maybe drop out of work. Maybe we were constrained in the amount of family contacts we could have. We're cut off from the normal connections we could have with friends. Uh, it was very much like going into a deep retreat. When you could do a deep retreat, you basically uh, cut off normal contexts with outer culture. Uh, In in our case, in the way of nature, I've I've defined six components of retreat that are vital. One is um, honoring the liberated essence within yourself, being convinced about the authenticity of the existence of that is number one. Number two, uh, receiving authentic teachings, hopefully from a realized teacher, that can give you the principles and practices to move through the obscurations that cloud our being, to get a glimpse again of that true nature of ourselves, that authentic nature. And third, to uh, take the opportunity to bring those those two aspects that I just mentioned into a place in nature where nature, of course, is uncontrived, it's, it's completely natural, there's no artifice in nature, it's absolutely what you experience is what you get. And uh, so it's apolitical, very refreshing. And uh, <laughs> um, so when you drop into nature, which is this kind of profound authenticity to its, its, itself, you have the opportunity to really drop away and begin to uh, separate from the normal things that create contraction, distraction, and all the shadows and obscurations that block us from the recognition of the essence of ourselves, of the true nature aspect. It also helps us uh, move into a more authentic connection to the family of life that we're part of, that generally we forget about when we're in human culture and caught up in consensus reality, because... That's all about humans. When yeah, when you're in nature in a sacred place, a special place in nature, it's all about the family of life. So you rejoin the family of life when you go to a special place in nature and drop out of human culture for a while. Now that place in nature during COVID might have been your backyard or maybe a little garden that you've got or maybe a nice little space in your house where you have some nice plants, maybe uh, some animal uh, partners in life, like cats and dogs, and maybe a, a nice pet snake or a turtle <laughs> or a fish, <laughs> but we all have our own ways of connecting to other species. So, <clears throat> so that honoring the uh, the perfect nature aspect to yourself receive authentic teachings to help you move back into connection with that and with the family of life. And then going into a place in nature that's relatively natural and where you can begin to regain that sense of connectivity to the family of life. And also where you're not being distracted from connecting to your true nature because you're not being bombarded by consensus reality stuff in advertising, uh, thought forms, emotional forms that are being blasting you all the time and then you bring the fourth power which is the power of solitude so when you're in that special place in nature and you're in sol- in a solitary environment you're you you have this beautiful situation where you're not being distracted by consensus reality anymore you can actually drop into all you have are the memories and the old patterns habitual patterns of being consensus reality but if you've got skillful tools you can begin to drop out of those old patterns and drop precisely into the now, just as you were sharing about dropping precisely into the now through the experience of pain. Um, if you really follow that pain into the precision of the moment, it can be very deliberate. So <clears throat> I salute you for abandoning the the, uh, the the drug pill approach and honoring the pain and and opening yourself to be, help, be a guide into presence. That's fantastic. So when you're alone in solitude in that special place in nature, then you can really free up from the things that normally tell us who we are and what we're doing and what life is all about. And we can begin to experience it much more di- directly and authentically. And then uh, another aspect that, that can play a really important role in, when we begin to re-engage is the power of a spiritual community, which helps us to begin to, uh, if we have some questions about what we're doing or what we're going through, we can remember that the spiritual friends and begin to uh, get some insights as to the path into connecting to outer nature, to inner nature and refining inner nature. And then finally, even opening up a clear understanding or experience of our true nature. And uh, and of course, in the case of COVID, most of that kind of communication happens through things like Zoom, like we're using today, and uh, telephone calls, various forms of um, connection that were safe. But there was still in the context of kind of that, that umbrella of solitude that we were given by, by the situation of the COVID-19. So all these powers actually were an invitation to us to drop into a, a kind of contemporary retreat context. And for those people who took that opportunity and just didn't drop into business as usual on Zoom, which is the pattern that a lot of people took, they didn't really drop, they didn't really do what I just mentioned. They they just substituted their normal life with uh, moving into a digital life on Zoom and by telephone. And they didn't really take the invitation of dropping into retreat time. Now, you did, Pradeep, and many of the people in the, in the Three Natures Retreat Group did that. And now we're beginning to see some of the results of that deep dive they took. When you go through that kind of a deep dive into the truth of the Three Natures and the refinement process that we we're talking about before of the nine experiential fields, then at the end of a period of time of cultivating that way, when you come out, as we are now in in many parts of the world, we're beginning to see the other side of the tunnel with COVID-19. Here in the States, in my little town here in Southern Colorado, we basically, we've pretty much emerged from being concerned about COVID. Uh, People walk about freely, get together freely, have dinner together, have sharings together, go to restaurants, no masks, uh, except for those who've not been vaccinated. It's a it's a very open uh, situation, very much like how life was before COVID came, and that's beginning to to appear around the planet more and more as time goes on, and hopefully as more opportunities to get past the the, the COVID situation appear. So we're kind of entering into this coming out phase, and for those that did take the deep dive into a. This invitation to do a doing a personal retreat during this this year of of COVID. For those that are coming out now, here's a chance to take the lessons that you've learned by the deep dive into the truth through yourself, into the blockages, the obscurations, the shadows, the contractions, the distractions that have normally completely captured us in, in our normal lives. You had a top opportunity to really begin to transform those. Those in the way of nature retreat, learned how to identify the shadow aspects at the level of their human body, their physical body, at the level of their uh, <clears throat> energy body, at the level of the emotional body, at the level of the mental body patterns, and then the ancestral patterns that we carry through our family lineage, and finally the karmic traces that we bring from lifetime to lifetime. And we, we've we developed in the way of nature seven techniques trans, trans, to transform each of those levels from physical blockage level to karmic blockage level. And so we had a full year in which to really begin to practice the transmutation transformation of those blockage aspects. Now we can come out and see how well we've done. did we really succeed? How well did we succeed? Where do we fall back? As we start to come out into the world, we can begin to see, oh wow, I feel more free, more open, more, uh, not nearly as uh, captured by blockage and shadow aspects as I was before. I feel a much clearer connection with my clear and open consciousness at the roots of my being. And then as you begin to go out further, you begin to meet situations that you encountered before. Maybe you meet somebody you didn't like so much and you begin to feel that contraction arising in yourself again. And you kind of go uh, and pull back or maybe the fear of COVID still is in you and you pull back and you contract. So if you've done the training, you, begin, <coughs> you immediately identify that contraction as the opportunity to embrace the contraction with in full awareness and relax and be present with it, just as you did with pain, and you follow it back into the heart of itself, and actually you begin to see that 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 contraction is empty of long-term survival. It's just a temporary arising. It comes and it goes. And if you're not attached to having it be something you must be with, as something you identify with as part of your who you are, but you just see as a, as a passing cloud in the sky-like nature of your being. Then, of course, you have the opportunity to release that as you encounter the outside world again. And um, actually, I came up with a process a few years ago. I call tempering, where we deliberately go out and engage in circumstances after we've done a deep retreat, and we test ourselves to see: do we recontract? Do we fall back into the old habitual patterns of contraction, distraction, uh, avoidance, uh, pain, sorrow, grief, worry, anger, uh, and fear? Or can we remain in a deep connection with the essence of ourselves and begin to embrace these outer circumstances and see these contractions and blockages arising and passing like clouds in the sky? If we have difficulty in doing that, then we move back into the retreat mode, maybe make a reconnection with that special place in nature I mentioned before. And we apply the six powers once again, the power of honoring the liberated essence of our being, honoring the authentic teachings we receive and begin to cultivate with them. We go into solitude in that special place in nature and we take a deep dive in that solitude back into uh, connecting to the essence of ourselves and the refinement of our connection to the rest of life and receiving the healing energy of nature. And then we again go back out, maybe into that same situation again, once again, re-embrace the outer circumstances that uh, cause a contraction in us. And maybe the next time we've done it, it we, we do it better. We actually are able to transform and transmute that outer situation into a free and open one that is an experience of joy and and much greater happiness. That's the process of tempering. And the sword-like nature of the essence of our being is refined through that tempering process. Make sense?
1: Thank you. That's very, very fresh and very helpful, very timely uh, based on where we are in our process and also where the wider civilization is in the world. One, final clarification point which might be helpful is you said the term I who went into the COVID and then the patterns that I may have and I'm interacting with the people outside and there is this discernment that I'm trying to understand of a lot of the choices that were made pre-COVID may actually no longer even be appropriate choices for us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There is an element where tempering might prevent us from, it's probably not intended to, but could prevent us from listening to that sort of wisdom because we might be saying, oh no, we just tempered through this as opposed to realizing that actually maybe some of those relationships, some of those Activities we were doing were just not us anymore, and there is no power there. So, how do you recommend people discern the, you know, go forward and test yourself Mm -hmm. in a skillful way and recognize when there's a real wisdom saying, actually, this is not something to test for, this is something to be dropped?
0: Yeah, well, because uh, if some, if the insight arises uh, that outer situation is happening that's causing a contraction energy in you. there's no need to not receive the wisdom that this may not be an appropriate relationship, for example. You can still receive the wisdom of that insight and change the relationship or change the behavior pattern that led to that relationship. But at the same time, be able to experience that uh, fear or anger of the relationship as a passing temporary display that is leaving no permanent effect on your psyche because you're resting in a much closer connectivity to the true nature of your being. So there's no necessary conflict between receiving the insight of a changing an outer circumstance, and also honoring the essence of yourself at the same yeah. time.
1: Thank you, that's very clear. In fact, now as you, as you frame it that way, I recognize that every time there's a release of a contraction, there is an insight that emerges in the same process. Almost yeah. the other way. From one side, it looks like the contractions and release somatically on the other side, it looks like the inside goes into the head center. Exactly. Very, very interesting uh, and very helpful crystallization there. Thank you. Uh, so I guess just maybe a few final words for our listeners. No. Some of them are emerging. Uh, we recommend you think about the tempering process that John has shared here uh, and also be mindful of the wisdom that might emerge rather than falling back into the same pattern. Right. Right.
0: Uh, I love to, I have a little saying that I came up with a few years ago called make habit your friend because we normally think of habits as those things that are constantly causing problems for us, you know, too much booze, too many drugs uh, and so on and so forth. But you can make habits your friend by establishing, establishing habitual patterns of Things like meditation, qigong, uh, the cultivation process that we've outlined here in these podcasts for the way of nature approach to how you engage life. All those things can be habitual patterns that are really supportive to you and that support you in your ongoing growth and unfoldment and improvement of your life situation. Uh, The one thing um, I did not want to mention that I, I didn't really mentioned so far is that when you move into nature in these periodic um, re in nature, I think as we begin to come out back into the world again, one pattern that we should really consider making a core part of our, our new habitual pattern is that regular daily, weekly, monthly immersion in a wild and natural place in nature. Nature holds healing energies that are profoundly supportive to every aspect of our lives. And all we have to do is to show up, to go into nature with an open heart and with a spirit of thankfulness and appreciation and respect. If we go into nature, and actually I often go back to nature, we have the Sacred Land Sanctuary here in Crestone. And I go there every day for cultivation, and I one of the things I often do is I say to my humans and the birds and the and the stones and the trees, please forgive us humans for all the ignorant behavior that we've exhibited in destroying you into ripping you to shreds, into consuming you and grabbing you for what we call resources, and never showing any respect for your beingness as we go through those kinds of interactions. Uh, please forgive us for all these activities. And then I follow with, thank you so much for giving me the basis for the life supportive uh, activities of all the elements that make you up. i by that I mean all of nature. Thank you for being part of the family of life where I'm, I'm learning how to become a productive species member of the family of all life in my home ecosystem. Thank you for this opportunity, for coming into a much greater balance and harmony and right relationship with the family of life and my home ecosystem. Thank you for the blessing of all the beautiful energies and relationships that you've given me through the relationships with the deer and the birds and the hawks and the eagles and the owls and the stones and so on. So there's a gratefulness that I, I, every day that I go to the sacred land sanctuary, I bring that gratefulness to offer it back with an open heart of love and appreciation and respect. And uh, then I begin to naturally receive the beautiful energies and uh, healing powers of nature naturally we begin to flow back in a natural kind of reciprocal process. But if you never give thanks, you never establish a heart relationship, you have a lousy relationship. So we need to come into right relationship with nature and the rest of life first, and apologize for all the crap that we've dumped on, on the earth and nature, and then come into right relationship through an opening of the heart, and, and uh, to live This is indigenous peoples behave. The only way we can come back into harmony and respect is by doing this, receiving those healing and and resonant uh, energies of nature that liberate and heal and then learn from them and begin to establish a new way of being with the rest of life. So I wanted to mention that because that perspective can allow us to help co-create with nature a new kind of relationship between our species and the rest of life and heal many of the imbalances that actually cause things like COVID to arise in the first place. This is not gonna be the last disease that appears. Many of these diseases appear because of the imbalance between our species and the rest of life and the planet overall. So if we come back into right relationship, the, the probability of more diseases like this is, is greatly lowered if we have right relationship. Same thing holds true for climate change, uh, massive loss of species and biodiversity that we're seeing right now. All these things are healed by coming into right relationship and listening to nature about her principles and rules for how to live in right relationship with her body and being part of her, her best beingness. We don't think of ourselves like that. We think of ourselves as being the ultimate end-all and being-all of nature and all of life. It's not like that. We're part of a vast and intricate system of life. And our very being is only possible because of this amazing display of all life. So until we come back into a loving relationship with nature and open the heart and listen to what nature has to teach us, we don't really have much possibility for coming back into balance. Yes.
1: Thank you for sharing that, John. I feel more and more that these practices are so essential because they have a way of, allowing these kind of ideas and understandings to emerge organically as opposed yeah. to from reading a textbook or being told that you need to do this because we will have a carbon tax on your corporation, or right. you need to reduce your per capita consumption. Uh, more and more I have found in my experience that the more time I spend with nature, it just shows you how to behave in a way and there is no need for things to be said. Just You just know yeah. how you respond to nature and how you respond to other people. A sense of generosity and gratitude just seem to happen organically, which is one of the reasons I feel that if we try to approach the entire climate and species situation as we're going to try to fix it, It also becomes the same ego pattern as opposed to sort of, like you said, listening first. And I feel this element of listening is so non existent. It's just like when we have people who decide that whatever is working in another culture is just not correct and they go and give their technology and destroy the ecosystem that exists. It's a very similar approach. And I feel really that the element of listening is just something that is so lacking uh which is why i feel if i had to like i would previously say that my favorite principle of yours was 13 which i still love Uh, yes but i think more and more like i've just developed such a deep appreciation for the principle of relaxation because sometimes i feel that just with that one principle everything else just Happens. We keep opening and That's opening right. and opening and opening and and then everything is obvious. Nothing. You don't need to listen to this podcast to know what we're talking about. Just go into nature, and just relax. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, listening means that you that you honor the opening of the space within internally and inner nature to receive to receive. And when listening. When that relaxation is unified with presence, then the relaxed quality is combined with the clarity of the presence. And the two together are a team. And relaxation and presence working together as a team open up virtually the entire process of authentic listening. So it's pretty simple. Yes, simple,
1: but not easy. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, uh, lovely. Thank you for your time, John. And any final words for people as they probably are entering into their normal day-to-day office life? Any final lines you would like to share with them before well, we start? Just
0: travel? to re-emphasize what I was saying before, please establish a new pattern of going into nature to listen to connect, to open the heart, to give thanks and respect and appreciation. We have in the way of nature, we have something called the way of nature bow. And we bow not just to the teacher out of respect and honoring what they're bringing, but we bow to really the whole family of life and to source itself, whether you envision that as great spirit or God or goddess, whatever names you may have. And we do a a deep bow to that source of all being and a gesture of respect for the tremendous gift of life. It's sometimes good to give a little bow to the source of life and to the expression of life itself, to honor it and give thanks for the gift of being part of that. And and let her put her egos on the table for a little bit and not worry too much about how the, the, the small little ego in its chatter is doing, but really come back into that deep level of, of honoring, respect and appreciation for this huge gift to be here on this planet and part of this planet at this time in this way. And uh, use that as a way of opening up that new relationship with nature. If we do that, then we can be re-energized, renewed, regenerated, be inspired. Nature will receive our blockages, transform them, uh, digest them, turn them into free energy and matter and allow us to enter into a brand new kind of relationship with the family of life through the listening process and the creativity that arises as a result of that listening.
1: Thank you, John. Uh, And also for those who are struggling and might have had the illness or might have lost people and might have had illness and might be working with grief uh, one of the things we learned in our shadow work process is just spending time in nature is very, very healing.
0: Incredibly helpful. As well. so I've lost many loved ones during this time too, as many people have. And I've found that <clears throat> these way of nature processes are extremely helpful in uh, on, both honoring the truth of the grieving and the pain that we go through as, as we honor these losses, and helping uh, support the spirits in their transition to whatever the next level of their being may be, and also honoring the grief and the pain that we feel in our hearts about the loss of loved ones. Um, I know many people are going through this process, and the main thing is not to avoid these things, not to avoid these, 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 these honest periods of pain, but to embrace them, to rest as much as we can, in our true nature, and then embrace the truth of the grieving with the wholeness of ourselves, not to avoid any of that pain, and embrace it fully in absolute relaxation and presence, unified. Then that pain can naturally transform and begin to transform into a much more joyful and liberated condition.
1: Thank you, John, Uh, and uh, thank you to our listeners. We hope you have a smooth return into The new world.
0: You do. Thanks, Pradeep.
1: Thank you.